Gene, Gene, I have to get in that bathroom too, you know. Keep your pants on, Malton. Speaking of pants that are halfway off, does this beard oil work on your balls too? Why are you touching that? It clearly says property of Leonard Malton on the label. Property of Leonard Malton? More like slop curtsy of Ben-Hur Watson, which is what it looks like because I don't have my glasses on. Gene, I never should have gone on this press junket with you. We have nothing in common. What do you mean? We both love the art of cinema. No, I love the art of cinema. I'm a noted film historian. You're a sideshow barker, spitting out puns disguised as criticism. What did you say about the movie we saw tonight? Three men and a baby? More like semen and a maybe, which is all this trio with Brio needs to start procreating fun for the whole family. If Tom Selleck, I'm buying. If Ted's dancing, I'm swaying. And Steve Gutenberg wrote the Bible on comedy. See, that's not a review. It's wordplay. A review is a measured response. Like, there were parts of Three Men and a Baby I liked a lot. And then there were other parts I didn't like at all. See? Your reviews aren't even insightful accidentally. Well, at least I can now say I've traveled with Gene Shalit. I can survive anything. You want to hurt me? Go ahead if it makes you feel any better. Yeah, I'm an easy target with my finger in a light socket hairdo and my ridiculous bow ties that smell like cheese and, and a mustache that looks like Ron Jeremy and Yosemite Sam had sex and gave birth to Doug Henning. Yeah, I pun too much. I could hand out well-considered, grammatically correct reviews like you, but that's not who I am. You can think what you think what you want about me. Go back to entertainment tonight and their beautiful craft services table, and Mary Hart's cocoa-buttered legs, and mock me as you eat a delicious Danish without also eating the crumbs of yesterday's Danish like I do every day as they fall out of my disgusting, magical mustache. I... I like me. Bryant Gumble likes me. Jane Pauley can go fuck herself, but the weather guy likes me. Willard Scott. Yeah, Willard Scott likes me. Because I'm the genuine article. What you see is what you get. Robocop? More like, oh no, stop. You may think that's a low blow, pup, but I just didn't enjoy Robocop. Okay, Gene, I'm sorry. La Bamba? More like, I caramba. La Bamba is no bomb, bud. Gene, I said, I'm sorry. Dirty dancing? More like squirty. Well, you get the point. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to episode 26 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week, we give thanks for November 25th, 1987, and the weekend's two major releases, Three Men and a Baby, starring Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, and Steve Gutenberg, and directed by Mr. Spock himself, Leonard Nimoy, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the John Hughes holiday comedy starring Steve Martin and John Candy. But before we dive into this weekend's Horn Aplenty, Fred and Dan, where were you guys 
on Thanksgiving of 1987 or thereabouts. What? I don't expect you to remember, you know, was it stovetop this year or, you know, but November, November of 1987. I was definitely wearing my Thanksgiving pants. That I can tell you. <laughs> The fact that you're wearing pants at all is it's uh, that, that's, holiday miracle. Yeah, that's unusual for me in the month of November. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, okay, so I would have been uh, 14. Oh, God, so this horny. This was the rough years, right? So horny at this point. <laughs> so, so acne riddled and so horny and so wondering what, what what's going to happen to me in, in <laughs> as far as my love life. Will there ever be a love life? Will anyone ever love love me? And by love me, I mean, you know, uh, do physical things to me that, that <laughs> indicate love. Take That's, off your Thanksgiving pants. Exactly. Will anyone want to see what's under my Touch Thanksgiving pants? Gobble, Every. gobble. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's where I where I was at. Now, what grade were you in, Fred? Because I'm always I always go by I you. Was a sophomore, that, you go by me. I was a sophomore. Okay, yeah. so I'm so so this is freshman year high school. Oh my god! So it's really this is really torture. I'm probably this is probably what's happening. Oh god, I can't wait for Thanksgiving break. I like oh, when's Thanksgiving break? Just so I can be home for you know. Four days instead of two. Good night, everyone. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast will be back next week with Rocky Six and it's something funny. else. I was thinking about that when I looked at the date and I was trying to figure out where I was. I'm like, all right, I was a sophomore. Oh shit! So Dan was a freshman. This, you know, we've just heard. Oh god. I don't mean to make light of it, but you've just spoken that of you know the the the, the torturous times you had. No, it's so now. bad. I was yeah. almost worried. <laughs> to go into this episode. Do you know what they used to do? I want to be in on the screenplay for Lunch Line because I have a lot to say about what happens in cafeterias uh, in oh, middle sure school, in high school. Oh, it's, it's the worst. I'm sure terrible. they'll take a blind submission from yeah. anytime. <laughs> fanfic. I'll write a little fanfic. <laughs> um, Look, I used to be in school and I <laughs> have something to say. That would be amazing. Can we get one of our listeners to do like erotic opening weekend fan fiction <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm throwing out i'm throwing down the gauntlet i'm throwing out a challenge to all of our listeners out there i think we're at that stage right i in think our popularity. we are i think we are yeah. i want to see who tote would hook up with i'm dying to know i'm dying yeah, to but know. we would be involved as well we would be so the characters in it. You oh, and Lord. Sheila could finally consummate oh, your fiendish union love for the love of peace all right listeners have at it Erotic fan yeah. fiction by next week. Uh, uh, so speaking no. of erotic fan fiction, let's talk about your freshman year of high yeah. school dance. <laughs> in the cafeteria. No. Well, here's what here's what would happen. I was so, I mean, the Thanksgiving pants or whatever pants I were wearing were, would ride so low on me that- Wait, what? Hold on. What are Thanksgiving pants? I thought you were joking. <laughs> what, the, what is it that? It just means They've, loose pants. Loose pants. In. Loose pants. At, at this, oh, at really? This, Yes, well, you've always been, you know, Fred's always had like a six pack from, you know, no, yeah, he's, he's never been, worn a he's loose never had article to like, of clothing. No, he's never needed to. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there in the lunchroom <laughs> and I'm enjoying my lunch. And, you know, unfortunately, unbeknownst to me, my T-shirt, it's riding Jesus. up in the back. The pants are riding down in the back. Oh, God. These kids behind me, do you know what they did? They start to play, essentially play basketball with corn kernels oh God. and try to get corn in the crack. into my butt crack. <laughs> corn in the crack. <laughs> and it they were they had about three or four in there 
before I realized what was happening. Oh, and I turned around and I and was you like, turned around oh, and you were like, man. when did I eat corn? Oh, wait, <laughs> this isn't my feces. I don't remember corn. You suddenly you turned into Carol Channing. Corn. Corn. When did I eat corn? And there it was. But I will never forget. It seared into it seared into my memory. Um, this this uh, this happening. But this was you know this was the way it went when you were as unaware of yourself as I was. Yeah, at but that that's age. every you kid. Know? No one should have been sending me to school in those pants. But there were yeah. sweatpants. Where was my been? mother? Where was anyone saying? <laughs> where have a different option for yourself did you, you also have fuck. jeans did you wear jeans to school yes too? acid wash right. jeans what's worse corn down your ass or acid wash jeans did you have I never wore sweatpants to school i never I ever don't think ever i did either sweatpants to school i feel like if you were a target well i feel like if you wore sweatpants you were a target of some, well, <laughs> no no no. because I, I i'm i'm going back to that time and i feel like then it was easy for someone to like pants you to pull your pants down mm. oh that happened to me too that I feel like that too. may have happened to me. Like on yeah. the on the random times when you'd wear sweatpants, you'd suddenly be reminded very harshly, oh shit, I'm not supposed to be wearing sweatpants because <laughs> now right. they're around my ankles. Yeah. Do you know where that happened to me? On the marching okay. band field. No. Oh, no. Yes. But it actually, that, that was actually a group that was, we played jokes on each other all the time. Oh, and this okay. was a girl that I liked um, and she was, oh. she was the tuba player and I was the uh, euphonium player and and uh, she put her tube down and came back behind me and went boom and pulled down my pants I was like oh you why I ought it it was one of those you know everyone, everyone we all had a good laugh marching Great. band was fun I was in the marching band at this time as what well. did you play I played the drums yeah we did the drums I played and this was this was actually a big year for that because the year before I think it was the year before my freshman year when I moved up I was so excited. We were because me and my friends, Josh and this guy, Ryan Bell, and a bunch of us, we all, you know, we were the drummers and we were so excited to move up to the high school marching band because our high school marching band actually, we competed uh, in events. We did at, at Hofstra, actually. We Get went to college, out of here. The, um, what was it called? The Newsday, Newsday event? Like the Newsday yes, marching New York yes, Newsday. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we would do that. We would do the St. Patty's Day parade every year. So it was a, it was a big for deal, which I have great sakes. stories about, but that's for that's for another year. And, and did you do a little, episode. you have a little, oh yeah, we had Did you have a cadence that you would march to? I was just singing the cadences to my kids the other day. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember them I bet they were fascinated. It was triplet, turn, or roll off. I could do them for you right now. Amazing. Yours were intricate. That's like super intricate. Take notes. You're hand farting that later at the end of the episode, Dan. Triplet, turn, or roll off. But yeah, but I remember my my freshman year, I was so upset because we did it was really cool. There was a new music teacher. Her name was Sandra Baskin, who we loved, and then we we ended up hating. She was she was our nemesis. She oh. hated the drum department in any. So we we were we were awful. We were just such pains in the drummers asses. were always pains in the asses. Yeah, the because we way. would sit in the back. We would you know we'd yeah. have band practice you know and and everyone would be working on their stuff and we would just sort of sit around so we got bored so we'd like be fucking around and throwing nickels on the timpanies and doing stupid <laughs> shit checking corn exactly checking corn into the ass of the euphonium players <laughs> i'm triggered now i'm triggered yeah <laughs> the other thing that i was doing around this time i believe was we were doing the school play oliver and it was the first high school play that i was doing and our high school did 
really amazing musicals, like really, you know, we mm. had a, a Broadway set designer doing the sets. I mean, it's sort of crazy Jesus. when I think back and I look at this, it was amazing. Our, the drama teacher, John Shorter, really did an incredible job. But food I remember going to- Food Food. Is that from Oliver? Yaka, that's from Oliver, yeah. Yaka. And wow. I remember in in junior high, I, I played some pretty good roles. And I did at the time, I didn't know if I wanted to be an actor. It seemed sort of fun. Mm. But everyone was like, oh, you should go for Oliver. You can go, you can be the Artful Dodger. You can be the Artful Dodger. And I remember I had to go and sing, consider yourself at home. Mm. But I was so scared to sing. I couldn't do it. I just, <laughs> I was scared to sing the, the high note, the at home. So I was like, consider yourself at home. <laughs> I was really, I didn't, I, I didn't think I could sing at the time. I still don't think I can really sing now, but for whatever reason, I've, I've fooled You've people. You've done a lot yeah. of musical theater for yeah. someone who can't sing. But I didn't. So Timon to say, on Broadway. I did not years. get, well, I did not get the role of the artful Dodger. Oh. What? How dare they? No, I was in the chorus. As a matter of fact, I always remember being in a rehearsal for that one day. And I was annoyed because I was just in the chorus. <laughs> and I remember sitting on the set and it, we were on a raised platform. It was like the roof of one of the buildings of London or whatever. I mean, it was a really complex set. And I was just complaining and waiting around because we were waiting, waiting. And this kid, Jamie O'Keefe, that I still keep in touch with, he just turns to me and he goes, then you know what, Fred, why don't you quit? Just quit the show. Ooh, he was right. It was right. basically like, shut up. And he, he, no, he was absolutely he right. He was right. And I always <laughs> remember, I was like, oh shit. I'm like, oh, and I, it, that was the moment where I realized like, there are people who actually really want love this and want to be here. And here I am <laughs> hissing and moaning about it. And like, I didn't get the artful dodger. This is stupid. And it really, it sort of slapped some sense wow. into me. That's I mean, crazy. I still would have been a better artful dodger than the douchebag. <laughs> of course. It go, no, goes without saying. It goes without saying. <laughs> We, uh, this year, we did not have a school play this year because the drama teacher's wife is a nurse and her schedule changed at work and he had to be home after school to like take care of the kids. And so they just canceled Whoa, the drama. This is my junior sick. year of high school. And I had been in the plays and the musicals up to that point. Um, they were still going to have a musical in the spring. They, they would do a, a play in the fall in like November and then mm -hmm. and then in March or whatever there'd be the the spring show which was always a musical That's and we still did, did that reverse <clears throat> yeah. and we did um in the spring we did Godspell I was in Godspell and uh but there was oh. not going to be anything in the fall so I um I was like we're gonna do a show though we're gonna do a show so I was I just gonna say how come you didn't put something together I wrote, like a, I wrote a sketch is this show. the Ricardo Montalban thing uh, that's, uh, wait, Ricardo <laughs> Did he address Montalban? it as Ricardo Montalban or Freddy Krueger or something? Yeah, I uh, yes, I, yes, I, yes. Because um, they're the same. I dressed as Freddy, <laughs> yes, I dressed as Freddy Krueger. That was one of the sketches. Oh my God. Um, it wasn't Ricardo Montalban. It was Billy Crystal's character, Fernando, oh, from Saturday Night Live. Basically what I did is I just, <laughs> did, I just wrote my versions of Saturday Night Live sketches, more or less. And, Fantastic. Uh, and guess what it was called? Very creative name for this show. Friday Night Live, and that's what I called it. And wow. then we did it at my high school on the the Friday. I think it was Friday, November twentieth. Would that be right with this week? Twenty one, yeah. two, three, Crazy. four, five. Because these movies opened on a Wednesday, November twenty fifth, nineteen eighty seven. So yeah, it was November twentieth, wow. nineteen eighty seven. Was this one night thing? I wrote like ten sketches. 
I wrote a church lady sketch. I wrote, I mean, there was nothing original. And then I would, and then I think the Freddy Krueger thing was like, I did the dating game or the new, <laughs> and it was like Freddy Krueger was a contestant on the dating game. That's, that's brilliant. That's, that's really brilliant. good. I did. The other, uh, the other ones, I'm going to get on the time phone and call Lauren Michaels. Just my, friend, <laughs> my friend, Nancy Atlas and I did a, uh, did a sketch called, cause I, of course I was obsessed with Superman and there had been a terrible Superman movie out earlier that year, Superman four the quest for peace but uh so i did, wrote a sketch called i know it was called superman 14 the quest for and it was like something like a nap or a colostomy bag or something it was about them it was about superman and lois lane as two very elderly people who basically who basically were billy crystal and carol kane from the princess bride it was just for some reason they were very elderly jews that's perfect and oh, Jor-El. Just, that's like an Israeli name, right? Jor-El and Kal-El. You know, the kibbutzim, you know, in Haifa for the summer. See, I could have used you. We should have had you come and punch it up. It would have been, need a little borscht belt in there in that sketch. Come on. Oh, God. I wish I could remember. What, I mean, I can remember the sketches. I can't remember any of the stupid jokes. But well, yeah. Was it a hit? Was it a hit show? It was. It was a big, you know, they, they it did very well for the school. And it raised money for, like, the... Uh, uh, the student music organization and the school and stuff. There was something called Tri M, which was a, a musical organization that we just the proceeds went to that and and then yeah, so that was fun. It was nice because then we did we did something instead of no play that year. We had that at least and um and then I and I saw one of these movies on uh, opening night. I was at the theater at midnight the night before Thanksgiving to see Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <gasps> In oh. the theater. Well, there's the segue right there. Oh, there you we go. We don't even need to say anything pithy. <laughs> Although I have something it. if we want to. Go for okay, it. Let's go. Did you take, to get to the movie theater, did you take a plane, <laughs> a train, or an automobile? You guys are such bad boys. Bad boys. <laughs> See, ah. now you're segueing to the other one. Which one are we going to do first? Oh, I don't know. Well, let's, I mean, let's, uh, let's, uh, anyone, let's, any of our fans uh, listening, uh, uh, they want to, they want to call in. Anybody want to call us? in and say, what? oh, wait a minute. No, this isn't, yeah, they can't. I can see if the time phone is ringing. No, it's not. It's not ringing. I'm sorry. Let's flip a coin. It's very odd that it's, it's just like two big comedies opening. There's like no counter programming yeah. here at all. It's like, no, usually it would be like, it would be like a holiday comedy and then like some right. big, yeah, they were both hit. Although Three Men and the Baby was a much bigger hit, which right, I let's forgot. Let's save that for the end. I okay. get, I got, I have to, let's save that for the end because I need to build up to. I, Great. I, I'm having some issues and I need to build up to Tom Selleck. I can't just jump into him right, right away. <laughs> so I need to, I need to give my. <laughs> you can't just jump time. into him like a piece of stray corn flying <laughs> through the cafeteria. <laughs> and landing squarely. Between, Between two, dance, pillows. two pillows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's planes, trains, and automobiles. During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Steve Martin is Neil Page, a tightly wound ad exec trying to get from New York City to Chicago in time to spend Thanksgiving at home with his wife and two small children. 
However, when his flight is rerouted to Wichita because of a freak snowstorm, his nerves begin to fray. Worse yet, he's forced to navigate the insanity of holiday travel by bunking up and hitting the road with his polar opposite, the talkative, overly gregarious Del Griffith, played by John Candy. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was one of writer-director John Hughes's few adult-oriented comedies and was a modest hit, earning $10 million in its first five days of holiday release, en route to a North American total of nearly $50 million. But it has become a Thanksgiving Eve staple on home video and cable TV. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Well, as I was lambasted for last episode, <laughs> I had never seen it. I'm so surprised. Yeah. I know, and I'm again, happy you're I, seeing it. I, I don't know why. I, I, I don't understand why I avoided it, and I feel like I did avoid it at the time, and I, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea why. I really, I can't recall it, and it was just one of those things that. Then as the years went on, I just thought, well, I don't need to see it. It's, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. It's, it, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not as great as everyone says it is, and it's, you know, probably just sort of more bathed in, in the, the glow of nostalgia to, for people. Mm. So we, I watched it the other night with my kids, and I got to say, I, it's, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a fun, fun movie, and it really, God, it really made me miss John Candy. Oh, oh yeah. I yeah. mean, he's so good, and, you know, hearing Gene in the beginning of the episode <laughs> uh, reenact that scene with Leonard... <laughs> I sort of got choked up. One, just because, just you know, delving that I've never heard Gene delve that deep before. He really, he really went there. He, he really, really did. There. But that scene, and I'd seen yeah. clips of that scene before. But man, it's gorgeously played by Candy. Yeah, he's really moving in it. I mean, it's 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 great. His reaction, Steve Martin. I, you know, I always enjoy, we talked about him last week and we were sort of saying, right. you know, that we, Dan, you were specifically saying that, you know, you really like him in the Father of the Bride movies. And he's sort of taken on that, like, he's very good at that put upon harried husband, like, like very good parenthood, the Father yeah. of the Bride movies. And yeah. he was doing that thing here. I don't know what, when did that start for Steve Martin? It was right around, I think it was yeah, right around this time. This. You know, yeah. it's so funny because I, I, I love this movie. Loved mm -hmm. it when I saw it. So, like I said, saw it on opening night. And it's so funny, the perspective of when you see something as a teenager versus as a grown man. Because all I can remember, I can remember this movie so vivid. I can remember the reactions of me, my friends, and the audience on opening mm. night so awesome. clearly. I've seen this movie dozens of times, and I can still remember <laughs> like where the peak laughs were, where people went crazy, where people applauded. I mean, it was a big crowd pleaser wow. kind of movie. What were some of the big ones? I'm, I'm so curious. Uh, I, like, I, I, what really played in 1987? The Between Two Pillows thing, obviously, right? Between Two Pillows was huge. Del. Oh. Oh. Why did you kiss my ear? Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. It was all Steve Martin stuff. All the the f bomb, like him going to to um uh, the the rent a car yes. place and like saying, "I want yes. a fucking car right <laughs> fucking now," which is why this movie has an R rating. Is just that scene. There's like barely any other language no, or, no, or okay. anything else, You're but it has right. an R rating because John Hughes was like, he's gonna say fuck seventeen times <laughs> in this scene, has to. and it is shocking. 
Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. One of the other scenes that got huge reaction was the scene where Martin loses his shit on Candy in the hotel. Because up to that point, Steve Martin's character, Neil, is like, is the everyman. It's the guy you're supposed to like relate to. Like the poor guy trying to get home for the holiday, just the regular Joe. And then he's saddled with John Candy's character, who is hysterical. An an amazing, I think a fantastic comic creation, but also annoying as Fuck. And so yeah, you're when, just as annoyed. Yeah. Watch when state when Steve Martin loses it on him in that hotel room, even though it keeps cutting back to a clearly forlorn and upset and and visibly shaken John Candy, though all those lines, everything that Steve Martin said landed like laser precision with the audience. I mean, wow. huge laughs. Everything wow. he said, we were crying laughing at Steve Martin and the empathy wow. for John Candy. Not that it wasn't there, but it, you know, now I watch it and I'm like, Yes, this is funny. This is definitely funny. But you can't help as an empathetic no. adult, like, right. see how where John Candy is going with this and how he's feeling before he even gets into that monologue. When I was oh, a yeah. kid, just the I, look on his face, I didn't really caught until he it almost was like a surprise that he responded as sincerely and as hurt as he did when yeah. I saw this movie as a kid. Now you can see it all in his eyes because it's such a beautiful performance. But oh, yeah. you're also yeah. saying that yeah. the 80s audience didn't really see it. Well, I don't know if they didn't see it or if they just still thought. I mean, it's found. It was still funny. funny. I mean, yeah, it's definitely funny. There's a lot of great punchlines in there when he says, "It's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll." I expect you have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back. Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. And by the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea: have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. It's cruel, but yeah. it's also like this guy who's been pushed to the limit unleashing, and it's funny. So Well, yeah. but I also wonder if it's because at the time in the 80s, we hadn't seen, maybe just to that point that we hadn't seen a Steve Martin like that, who was a sort of an angry, harried, put-upon Steve Martin hurling insults like that. Maybe mm. that was... At that point, he had just done Roxanne, that, that where he played C- his version of Cyrano de Bergerac, yeah. which is, which I, I think, another brilliant movie. Yeah. As I yeah. really loved him in that. And he had done The Dentist in Little Shop, the, the Christmas huh, before. Okay. Oh, yeah. And Three Amigos was also that year. That's oh, where, I that's love where Three he was. Amigos. Oh. So 86 and 87 were very big years for him. Um, but yeah, but not a character quite like this. I don't think so. I kept thinking, I was watching this and I was like, this is only six or seven years after The Jerk or maybe eight wow. years after The Jerk. But still, that <laughs> seems like a big leap in yeah. a guy's career yeah. from like what he was known for to the transition he made into this and then later parenthood and father of the birth. This seems like the kind of guy he was, this is the most straight laced guy he had played up to that point, I think, or at least that's what it feels like. I laughed more at some of the John Candy stuff, not because, Mm, and not like the big, big stuff, 
more, he, he had one point when he was cleaning his sinuses, that whole sequence <laughs> in the bed. Now that's all funny. But the thing that killed me is the way he said, sorry. He said, sorry, real quick. And it's really small yes. and simple. And yes. he's sort of embarrassed. And I howled because it was so sincere and all of those. And that's what I really appreciated about the movie that for the most part, it really, they're both very sincere characters, how they're played. And I think that even, even, you know, right off the start when obviously John Candy's this overbearing character, but it's not, it's not so over the top. It's still grounded in a, in a reality and an honesty. And I really appreciated that. And it was so interesting because <laughs> in that scene, when he's going off on him and maybe just cause I'm older now, maybe when I was younger mm -hmm. in the eighties, I would have had the same reaction as you and everyone in the theater, but I was all on candy. Like I was listening yeah. to what Steve Martin said and I thought it was funny, but to You're me, I'm like, that's, him. that's, that's John Candy scene. I, and I, he's, and I couldn't believe how, how moved I was by it. I, I feel the same way. And I feel that now. And I, you know, I rewatched it again the other night and, and what I thought was Steve Martin is, he's such a, a clown. He's such a, a I mean, I, and when I say a clown, I mean, he's, he's got such a, a, a cleanliness and a precision to his physical bits and his, you know what I mean he's very uh, there's something very crafted and polished about Steve Martin's work yeah. it's um but candy is so is like a a beautiful raw nerve and I don't I mean he's just so real he's like so yeah. the emotions are all right there and it's a beautiful performance he's a, he's he's a wonderful actor like I came away from this rewatch oh, yeah. thinking John Candy's yeah. a fantastic actor there's that sense of spontaneity with him and i don't know if it's because it comes from sort of the sctv um background and and uh you know and um being able to to improvise and come up with things on the on the spot with the with that incredible group of people who created that amazing yeah. thing like eugene levy and all those and all those Catherine folks and Stan, and steve yeah. martin of course came from stand-up you know so i wonder if that's where the difference comes because because steve martin's stand-up is so is is pretty precise you know yeah. and, and mm -hmm. it's i mean it's his stand, his old stand-up is like scripted bits you know uh, what what the sum total of it winds up being is that John Candy has a lot more has a lot more vulnerability. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. The scene that gets me is the diner. You know, when he's like, mm -hmm. I think we should go our separate ways. And John, oh, yeah. and John mm -hmm. Candy is like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. Yep, see ya. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, man, he did yeah. it to him again, you know? He did it to him again and tried to be nice in doing it. But John Candy absolutely knows what he's doing. He's like, yeah, you're, you're ditching me. You're dumping me. But the, the, the thing that is the sort of takes it down a few notches for me is that after that big diner scene, I want there to be a reckoning of what came out of that. You know what I mean? Uh, the next time we see John Candy, he almost runs Steve Martin over because he gets punched in the face by the by the cab guy. Oh right, you know, and he and Dell almost runs runs uh, runs Neil over, and then he gets out and is like, 
you know, he's basically, it's like nothing ever happened kind of, you know, they, they never, they never, um, unpack this is, I hate that word, but they never unpack that moment that happened in the diner. You know, it's there, it's present, but right. I want there to be a, I want to see some sort of decision-making on the part of Candy's character of like, all right, this fucker ditched me. Fine, I'll help. But him I think again. that might be again. the decision right there, and I mean, I think that's yeah. who he is. That, but I just need to see that moment where the wheels turn, and he goes, "All right, fine." You know. But I think I don't know. Maybe that's because I think he he's just seem such like a, a gregarious. Holder. Yeah, yeah. He, I think that's the type of person that he is. That he's such a friendly guy, and I think he does mean so well that. He sees this guy that he's he's almost, you know, he says, I almost squashed your head like a melon or whatever it yeah. is. And I think that is the moment that it's like, look, I'm fine to move on. You know, I'm okay. Yeah. So if we can move on, I know what you're saying. I mean, you're Dan, absolutely but- right, Dan, because it is noticeable. It is noticeable, but it also, I think. It feels the like way that they- diner scene never happened. Yes, I know what you mean. They glo- yeah. it, it gets glossed over because Martin is in such distress at that point everything has gone right. so poorly for him he's so yeah. fucked. and then he's been like i mean like picked up by the that's because he, he's picked up by the balls by the guy at the cab stand <laughs> what martin went through is the thing that that's the like, that settles yeah. the score like yeah, you, okay. you, you, saw, okay. you know you thought you could do this without me and uh, and see where you wound up we're, we're both we we just need each other i think i yeah, think I'm candy looks at it like you. some like it's karma. We got to be, or, you know, it's, it's meant to be, we're, we're going to yeah. get where we're going. You know, you thought we'd get where we were going faster alone and clearly fate yeah. has intervened and it's meant to be, he says this beautiful thing That's where he says, uh, you got to go with the flow. He says yes. it's in that scene. I I'm just like a, a twig on the sholders of a mighty stream. He says, you know, like <laughs> yes. that's how he lives his life. Whereas Martin's trying to muscle through it and be like, you know, this is the way things are supposed to be, and this is the right way. And I'm sure. trying to bend the He's world to, to, his to his will. Ends. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're and absolutely two right. Things, the two things that sort of bothered you. me. One was, what do I talk about first? Because one really bothered me. Mm. The, Steve Martin's <laughs> wife. Yes. And family. Lila there's Robbins. Yes. Yeah, there was some. Oh, that was Lila Robbins? That's Lila Robbins. Oh, wow. Fantastic actress, as good as she can be in this. And yeah, please talk about it. Because Kate was like, you better talk about the wife. No, Ah. I'm so surprised because she is a fantastic actress. But I'm not saying that she was bad in this. Just something didn't fit. She's ill-used in it. She had nothing to do. And the kids. And that was the thing. To me, there was no payoff at the end when he came home. And there was that moment between them that just took forever. I was like, spoiler alert, if they don't die, they make it, (laughs) they get home in the end. I just didn't, I guess maybe if there was something about maybe the fact that he's just never home, maybe they do set that up. I don't know, but I just didn't, it seems so, so syrupy at the end. And I think Mm -hmm. another reason why it might've been so bad. And this was the thing that really bothered me. And I wanted to be like, John Hughes, what the fuck are you doing? The music in this movie almost ruined the movie. I mean, I thought the music, if they just stuck to the 50s stuff, like the mess around, which yeah. they should have done. Yes. It would have been great. But that synth music yeah. that he used, and look, look, it's 80s, the 80s music, yeah. r- right, but there was 80, bad 80s music in Three Men and a Baby, but it worked in that. For whatever reason, it didn't take well, it away. it wasn't covers, it was originals. They they used covers. That, that, that song... What's the Every song when he comes? Away. Yeah. 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 That's a cover. Yeah, by Just get the, yeah. Pay, pay the extra money and get the original. Yeah.
it yeah, was. Yeah, it's so weird. No, it does no, really you know hurt happened? the movie. I, I read about that, actually, because I was wondering, too. I'm like, why didn't they just get the original? Um, I'm blanking on his name. Paul Young, I think, is, is, yes, is the Paul singer. Mm-hmm. He gave, he was okay with it. I read about this. He said, yeah, you can have the song. But the music publishing company said no. So he thought it, for, there was some weird Ridiculous. mix-up or something. But Ridiculous. just that, that synth music and, yeah, it's garbage. you know, obviously he was probably, you know, still sort of high off the uh, from Ferris Bueller. Yeah. So there was that <laughs> weird rap thing in the middle where, where it was like, you're messing with the wrong guy. Yeah. You're messing with the wrong guy. We can laugh about it now. We're all right. ruined it for me in many ways uh it really did and i just kept thinking john hughes stop 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 but especially in that last scene and i again i just didn't i didn't get the payoff between i'm like why are they taking so long because we're not tracking her through the movie we see her asleep she's we literally see her asleep yeah that's the only time we see her she's so sidelined she's so really good and i get that it's about him trying to get home but if you're gonna and I, yeah, I guess it's like, well, we want to show what he's going home to, but it's like, but she is, she's so they don't show she's it. She's so muted. They yeah. don't show who she is. It's not like this vivacious. My my wonderful wife at home worried no. about me. That scared right. this and that, like a real human being. I mean, she has these little moments with the little kids. Yeah. I, I hey, this goes back to weird science. I don't think. I don't know if John Hughes doesn't like women or he doesn't know what to do with women. I don't think he's great <laughs> with women. You know, it's so funny. Lila Robbins is such a, yeah, she's such a wonderful actor. I, I actually just did, right before the pandemic hit, I did a reading with her, uh, a stage reading with her. And she played what? this like fiery, vivacious, amazing, funny woman. And I'm like, God, because the thing I know her best from is probably planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, and sake. like in terms of knowing her work on film, you know what I mean? Because I know this movie so well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't great. I wasn't crazy about no, her. It's not, not her fault at all. But, uh, How yeah. great was Dylan Baker, though? Oh, my so, God. So, so good. good. He is. So good. I love him in everything. I, I have a totally weird thing with Dylan this. Baker, too, because I saw, I, he's just, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I mean, I love him in everything. But one of the first things I ever saw him in was the movie Happiness. Oh, have my seen that God. Movie? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Todd Solon's. That's yeah. a hard <laughs> movie. To, and his character in particular. <gasps> oh and I remember God. seeing that movie, and then I saw him off-Broadway in a production of that championship season. Oh, wow. And every time I see him in anything, I, my first instinct is, <laughs> Right, right. I just think of him from Happiness. Oh, but God. he is so good, and he's so yeah funny in this movie and it's such a different type of performance oh you, you never know? see him in anything like this ever again when, when no. he said when he goes get your lazy behind out here and put that trunk up in the back oh no no the word we've got it it's very heavy she don't mind she's short and skinny but she's strong her first baby come out sideways she didn't scream or nothing isn't that something this movie kind of works like a a, a charm for me, I, and I know. And the music thing, what you say, Fred, about the music is so right on the money. And and I think of it every time I watch it. I'm like, oh boy, the '80s really, really making a mess of things here. Yeah. But I think because <laughs> I've watched it so many times and known it for so long, it's 
it's just part of the fabric of it to me and it doesn't uh it doesn't bother me but to, but if i had never seen this before and was coming to it i'd be like oh my god you need to re you know just re, just redo the soundtrack yeah you gotta <laughs> take take out the ewok song put in the yeah. uh, special edition yeah george know. lucas this please no <laughs> yub, yub. oddly enough i love the ewok song now couldn't stand it as a kid right now, now reappraisal now oh oh you know who else is in it i'm sorry nick wyman you know, yes. do you guys know Nick Wyman? I know Nick very well. He lives in the town next to me. Yeah. I know him, and he's a sweet man, and he's so good. He's the guy who steals the cab, who, yeah, who, who buys right. the cab from him, who pay the lawyer yes. who is like anybody who'll pay fifty dollars oh, for a cab great. will surely pay yeah. seventy five. Fantastic actor. Oh, Nick's he's got great. a great, he's a great scene Broadway there. actor. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. But but just like looking at New York City in the late eighties, like yes. just the bustle mm. of it and things like Chemical Bank and the Roy Rogers and all these things that some <laughs> yes. of the things that were still there in the early to mid nineties when we moved there. And I'm like, oh man, it just takes me back to when I first, you know, probably my oh, first sure. visit to the city yes, ever in my life here. was probably 1987 or 88 or something. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was nice. And Kevin Bacon showing up. That was that oh, was odd. Right. Kevin you know Bacon's why? in it. No, why? Oh, it's because she's he was baby. doing they were filming those simultaneously. And in fact, when Lila Robbins, there's one point when Lila Robbins oh is in God. bed watching television and like when she takes I a phone call. I was wondering what was she's listening to. She's a, a scene from uh She's having a baby between Kevin that's Bacon and so Elizabeth McGovern. Funny, because I knew it me? instinctively. Hearing it, I was thinking that's got to be from something. Yeah, and it's I, and from I recognize it, but I don't know what which it is. came out six months later. It came out. I think. I think she's having a baby came out in like spring of '88. So it was like they had wow. just. He was like filming these things, you know. And John Hughes was so prolific in the. Oh like yeah, he had like three movies a year yeah. or something. So wow. he was, you know, his schedules were overlapping and bumping up, and so like. The stuff he was probably in the editing process with, you know, this movie wanted to come out at Thanksgiving, needed to come out at Thanksgiving, yeah. but they might have filmed She's Having a Baby before and then, you know what I mean? And so they yeah. they had the footage to use in the movie and they, you know, he had the relationship with Kevin Bacon to have him come in and do that cameo. So that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, if, if anything, this movie, like I said in the beginning, it just really made me miss John Candy. And I, and I guess yeah. I never... He was one of those guys that I always liked, but I've, you know, I, I, it's sad to say I've sort of forgotten about him. And every now and then when he pops up in a movie, you know, we, we watch Splash with the kids. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, John Candy. And this is the movie where I just thought, wow, he's he was really great. And he's so good in this. He's kind of beautiful yeah. in it. He's really yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But he I liked at the end where he's like, no, I don't have a home. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Could you see that coming, oh. Fred? Could you see, did you guess that the I, wife had passed? I yeah. knew that that, I, I, oh, I think that it was it. spoiled yeah. for me. So I sort of knew, no, I didn't know how it was going to be revealed. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I sort of wanted, knowing that it was coming, I almost, I almost wanted a little more. That was the thing I feel like I wanted I wanted to know a little bit more about him and I wanted the ending to be now. Yes. It ends on a shot of John Candy. Yeah. But I feel like it right. just would have been, you know, I, again, I hate to go. We, we've talked about this before that like, you know, this isn't what the movie is. The movie is what it is. So let's talk about what they did. Mm. But I, I, I feel like they should have made less of Steve Martin's, you know, big homecoming with his wife, or at least if you're going to do that, they should have set it up better and made it more about Steve Martin, you know, Neil welcoming him, you know, his friend yes. who doesn't have a home. Yes. Into it. And it didn't need to be a major moment, but I, I wanted a little more. Fred, from that all I want out of that, yeah, absolutely. All I wanted out of that moment is Neil to say to the wife, 
This is Del Griffith. Del Griffith? Who's Del Griffith? This is the man who got me home. Yeah. I think so that's... Go ahead, we need to put that line into lunch line. Oh, yeah. This is the good. man who got me home. Oh, you God. just tugged at my heartstrings, Dan. Ah, let's put that. Let's this get is, that. That happens right after the corn scene. <laughs> this is the masculine woman, I guess, who who brought me home. This is the man who brought me home. <laughs> Pacino this is says the Myrna. Pacino says it about Nicholson. Yeah. It's the man who brought me home. We're back in jail. I can't do. <laughs> I can't do Nicholson. This you, is call, home you, for me. Call this, you call this home? Uh, All my friends are here. Pass Stop the corn. the corn. <laughs> the corn is nefarious. Don't oh, ends boy. up in jail as well. Oh, How God. many Sheilas? I'm going a solid, unequivocal, unhedging my bets. 7.775. Nice. <laughs> that was good. good. I was going to go 7.5. Hmm. Okay, I'm going 8. All right. Well played. Eight, and maybe 8.25. Oh, I, I love this movie, but you know, it's, it's you know, you start getting above 8. I love it too. I think it's it really was, it fun. Was, I it really was good. Do it. it was a lot of fun. And you know what, maybe, I'm sure, I bet if I rewatch it, I'll enjoy it even more. I, mean, I just want to say one more thing about about John, John Hughes, who again I'm, I have complicated feelings about his attention to detail, and it, I, this is really the uh, the the set and costume design. The scene in that hotel room, John Candy's pajamas match the the drapes <laughs> yes. and the bedspread. They do. They're not exact, they but they do. essentially do. It's like a yeah. different pattern, but the exact same colors, and it looks like he's wearing the same. <laughs> fabric that is on the bed and the the curtains and i just thought it was that's very so great. very it's very like funny. he belongs there you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. that's his place of belonging now it's so you great feel like, yeah you feel like the texture of it would be yeah. the same like it's yeah. like made and out of the bed spread. Yeah. he's it's a human funny. motel yeah but it's funny too because because the kids notice this too that oh. in that diner scene in the background you see random patrons wearing his earrings Oh, that's just, are yeah, you yeah, yeah, kidding like, me? Because yeah, he had said, just sold them to get the money for the them. meal. Yeah, yeah. There, right. Izzy oh, was like, "Oh my god, great. look at the woman in the booth behind them is wearing them." Then a waitress walks by; she's wearing one. That's it's very quick, that's but you know, talking so about that attention to detail again. Oh that's my great. god, that's I did great. Not pick that up. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He helps them survive, literally. Mm-hmm. Like because he, you know, as he, a yeah. as a homeless man who's yeah. gotten this far in the world. You know what I mean? Like eight years without his wife, he's probably living out of that trunk. All that time, oh it's really, god. and that's why he has the trunk. Oh my god, everything's hitting me now. Yeah, it's hitting. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking because that. I'm like, oh my god, his, everything he owns is in there because that's right. his whole life. That's his whole life is wow. in it. Oh yeah. my god, his whole life is in it. So when Steve Martin's like, "All right, I'll help him," he's picking up every worldly possession that he owns. Okay. Is it's, in an, the it's eight point six now. All right, I'm 8. going 6. eight. I'm going to go up to eight. Super, super, fabulous. Isn't that nice? We did get a lot of nice feedback from our last few episodes, which been nice too. And I was I was telling Dan this before we started, and I mentioned this uh, last week. I, I, there are a lot of people who, who are just sort of catching on and been going back, and they've been. My friend Rosie, uh, who was who was in the show with me in The Lion King with me, is a wonderful dancer, and she's been going back and listening, and she's been you know, texting me with stuff and stuff that I've been forgetting about. Like she just listened to the ghost episode, oh god, and I forgot that uh, my ex girlfriend Nina. 
appeared in that episode. Uh, That's right. She called. She called on the smoke phone. monster. The smoke monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it just makes me think. I'm like, wow, we've really had some interesting characters on this really, show. We really have. Well, despite yeah. our attempts to not become the morning zoo, <laughs> it has we, happened. We are there. Watch what the fist is doing. But let's see. We, we got a. We got a great. A uh, note from uh, our friend Mike Pulaski, who's done some great artwork oh, for us, um, who who loved Master and Commander as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend, uh, good friend Steve Hogan, also yes. uh, has a lot of enthusiasm for that movie. That's and they but, uh, they were afraid we weren't going to like it. They both yeah. were afraid we weren't. They just they don't think much of us. No, I guess not. <laughs> but basically. Mike went so far as to say, if you had not lavished Master and Commander with gilded Sheilas, I would have created an anti-podcast campaign. <laughs> He said the film is a favorite. I saw it when it came out and was mesmerized by its craft. Just the shots alone of them hoisting the sails and the ship gliding through the seas. I was speechless. I remember thinking, why is no one talking about this film? Mm -hmm. I put Peter Weir on the same tier as Lumet and Kazan, Gallipoli, Truman Show, Dead Poets, Witness, Mosquito Coast, and Fearless. Um, He never made the connection to Star Trek. That's so true. I've always loved their friendship. They are the conservative military machismo hierarchy and the liberal art science sensitivity. Mm -hmm. You can't have one without the other. Music binds them. It's a gorgeous story and masterfully directed, performed, and produced. Thanks for another wonderful episode. Hashtag Love Actually is a Christmas movie. Oh, yes. Um, It has been, the gauntlet's been turned down. Yeah, he's right. I mean, Peter Weir really, he's, he's made some... Great, great movies. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Boy, I didn't realize his uh, his oeuvre was yeah. that uh, that uh, vast. Wow, he's and then what well, else? I mean, we Truman got something. Show alone. I mean, you, you, your career is just Truman, Truman Show. Yes, the Truman I, 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 Show. You're an amazing. That's director. my favorite. That and Master and Commander are my favorite of his movies. Yeah, but, I mean, they're great. That's their, and I, I've great. always had I always had a very fond place in my heart um, for the Mosquito Coast. I've never I seen it. it. I don't I know think you I've mentioned it last that. time. Yeah. Too. It's a movie that I know it didn't do great when it came out, and there are people who have problems with it. And again, it might have been I was so fascinated. Anytime Harrison Ford did something outside the yeah. realm of Han Solo, you know, I, I <laughs> yeah. had to go. But I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's um, and Brocco is in it. Is it Lorraine Brocco? Who's the woman in it? Oh God, no! I can't. It's not Brocco. No, mm. I can't remember. What movie am I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of Medicine Man. <laughs> yeah, no. I had the cure for cancer and I lost it. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. Whoops. I can't remember. Now, I also got an, uh, a lovely letter from our longtime listener, Damon, who said, um, number one, I almost always agree with everything Jason says. When he professed what? his good feelings for the burbs, I died a little inside. <laughs> I know Dan threw the burbs out there and I said, yeah, the burbs is great. I will say, Damon, I am a much bigger fan of Joe Dante's other work. I wasn't as crazy about the Burbs when I saw it. It kind of passed me by, and my mom and sister love it, love it, Mm. love it. It is weird. And and I've, because I've seen it so many times with them, I've gained an appreciation for some of the quirkiness of it. But I agree (laughs) with you, Damon. It is not one of the great Joe Dante films. So there you go. He made two good points about Master and Commander and about, because we were saying, I was talking about, how, you know, I didn't see it. I sort of avoided it when it first came out mm. and that I sort of had this Russell Crowe fatigue. But he said also at that time, it was almost like Russell Crowe was more in the news at that time for like punching people out on the street. Like yeah, he got mm-hmm. that reputation. Then he hit somebody with a phone or throw a phone. Something, yeah. Oh, but he also made a really good point. He said, I think you never saw Master and Commander when it came out because it was called Master and Commander. 
Same reason why so many people miss the Shawshank Redemption when it came out. Oh, bad and I title. And make, makes a good point. That's an excellent point. It is yeah. kind of a bad title. You you look at that title in the, you know, on the marquee or in the you newspaper fall and you kind of go, yeah, I don't know what that yeah. is. Mastering right. Commander, and it's not even Mastering the far Commander. side of the world. The, exactly. Yeah. It's like Greystoke, the Lord, uh, Greystoke, uh, Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Yes. Yeah. And, just uh, keeps going. 1492 going. Conquest of Paradise. That's another bad one, you know? That's right. like That's oh also probably a bad movie, isn't it? Oh, that's a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's that's helpful. That, that <laughs> it caused people to avoid it. But so thank you. It's always nice when people write in. We this like to hear. So we like nice. to hear from folks. Keep keep it coming. Subscribe. Listen to the episodes. One thing that we also like is when there's things in the mail sack. Oh god. Oh god. Oh. Oh god. Oh god. The mail sack. Oh, there's a letter. And oh, it's from Sheila. Sheila, who, as we know, for people who are just reading this, watching this episode, listening to this episode, for people who are just watching and/or reading and/or listening to the, only this episode, <laughs> if you're reading the transcripts or somehow are getting the video feed, hello in Hong Kong, by the way. But in case this is the first episode you're listening to, first of all, we urge you to go back and listen to previous episodes. Second of all, you have to know that Sheila is not 100% human <laughs> at this point. Anymore, yeah. She once was. And we, we, we neither, you know, we're not passing judgment as to whether she's improved or whether she's, you know, less than or more than when she was. But she's been fused by the nefarious Dr. Malo with the DNA of a murder hornet. Now, if you've been following the news, oh, these yeah. murder hornets, I mean, it's really serious up there in the Pacific Northwest. They're doing all kinds of things up there. So, um, you know, dear fellas, this is the letters she's written. Again, not the best uh, handwriting these days because she's half hornet, mm. but it's a little bit hard to read. Dear Answers. fellas. Um, oh, and this is the other thing you need to know. They were shooting a movie called Lunchline down in San Antonio where Eustace the Warden lives on his ranch. This will all make sense if you listen to episodes like 7 through, through 24. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can grasp all of that, wrap your head all around all of that, you'll, rem you'll know that there was a movie happening down there called Lunchline. Well, Sheila says, Dear fellas, since Lunchline's been put on hiatus, I've decided to go spend Thanksgiving with my family back up in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm headed to Spokane and then over to San Juan Island <laughs> from whence I was spawned. By family, I mean the 200 other queens in my nest. Oh, no. It's oh. almost time for us to mate and then hibernate. Once I do, I'll see you when the weather gets warm once again. Love you she guys. Might be gone for a while. Yeah. Love you guys. Sheila, aka Ruthless Buzzy. Wait a minute. Go Dan, ahead. Go ahead. I'm a little worried because you sent us an article. Yes. Big article morning, in the New York Times. Big article. That they're destroying murder hornet nests. They're vacuuming them out of the trees. Oh my God. Good. Is Sheila has she started the hibernation <laughs> process yet? No, this isn't good. We don't want to lose our No, 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 I know, but I but you know. <laughs> 
the the rest you of you know them. me it's all about the fans it's all about the listeners i know but who cares about other people dying from murder hornets <laughs> sheila's a fan if she listens to the podcast she can tell other murder hornets to listen to the podcast okay, that's something Good that's, that's used in your noodle listen <laughs> one of these nests has 200 queens each queen goes and makes their own nest. If she's going up there to be with her 200 sisters who are also queens, they're each going to have their own nest and that's going to spawn more queens and then potentially thousands of murder. You know, but the, the thing is, these people are going up there to suck them out of the trees with with vacuum cleaners. I, I think Fred's right. If we want this podcast to survive, if we want it to thrive, if we, we want it to thrive this. in the beehive. Stop sucking the queens. <laughs> That's hashtag stop sucking queens. <laughs> please That's let's it. get this hashtag going. And please let's make it, uh, what do they say these days? Viral. Let's make this hashtag <laughs> viral around the world. Stop sucking the queens. Stop sucking queens, Steve Gutenberg, Tom Selleck, <laughs> Ted Danson. Please stop sucking queens, you bad boys. It's time for three men and a baby. <laughs> Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson. Jack! Whew, Angela! Whew, oh, you look different. What happened? I'm dressed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> They're about to find that one girl who will sweep them off their feet. That's a baby. It's a baby. Of course it's a baby. It's your baby. Touchstone Pictures presents a comedy about three dedicated bachelors and the one woman in the world they couldn't live without. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Three men and a baby. New York City roommates Peter, Michael, and Jack, played by Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, and Ted Danson, respectively, are three successful, happy-go-lucky bachelors. But Peter and Michael get the surprise of a lifetime when a young woman abandons an infant in front of their loft, claiming in a letter that the little girl, named Mary, is the daughter of Danson's Jack. However, with Jack, a professional actor, away on location, Michael and Peter are forced to care for Mary and soon become quite attached to the child, played by twin girls Lisa and Michelle Blair, who are sure to end up as recurring characters dating Jacob Joseph and Adam the Aardwolf, if this podcast has anything to say about it. Why are there also drug dealers in this movie? God only knows. And why is the first false climax to the film set at a construction site? Because Baby's Day Out had to be based on something, I guess. Yes! <laughs> Three Men and a Baby was the single highest grossing film of 1987, beating out Fatal Attraction and Beverly Hills Cop 2 at the box office. The film essentially made its $11 million budget back over its opening weekend, ultimately <laughs> earning $167.8 million in North America on its way to a $240 million gross worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Three Men and a Baby? Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock's a good goddamn director. That's what I think of it. He's a good director. He knows how to direct a show and a movie. Did he direct anything good after this? The answer is no. Search for Spock. But no, I mean, those are before uh, Voyage Home. Those are all. Before. That was the year before. Oh, those are all before. Oh, no, he didn't. This was it. No, this he didn't, the... and that's the problem. I don't understand. You know, I understand Leonard Nimoy's acting career, 
like the back of my hand. I've read I Am Spock probably five times. But what, how do you direct the top movie of 1987? I then know. truly, really not. He directed a movie with Gene Wilder called Funny About Love, which was not Oof. funny or about love. <laughs> and he directed a weird movie with Liam Neeson and... And Diane, uh, and Diane Keaton Diane called Keaton. The Good Mother. Um, this movie is very well paced. It's very well uh, directed. It's funny. I don't, you know, th- it's not a perfect movie by by any means, by any means. Um, but I got to say, you know, it moves. It keeps me interested. I, you know, Steve Gutenberg, take him or leave him, you know. But um, Ted Danson and Tom Selleck are doing their thing. They're doing their thing that they do in the 80s. And, uh, you know, I love the baby. The little baby is, is you know how I love uh, J- our Jacob Joseph and our Adam, as you said in the intro. They're just uh, anything with a baby who can do, who can, you know, who has any sort of charm or any sort of, you know, moments <laughs> where, you know, the focus is on them. I think I have baby fever. It might be yeah. COVID talking. It might be post-seasonal, you know, uh, what is a seasonal affective disorder? It might be mm-hmm. that. But I just love the babies. And this baby wonderful. was really adorable. So Very cute. Really so adorable. cute, yeah. this baby. So, um, you know, I- I've seen this movie a lot of times because I'm such a big Leonard Nimoy fan, you know. Oh. I've seen the bunch of times and uh um you know i remember a lot of it but uh the 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 main thing um for me is once they once they turn once selick and gutenberg turn right Mm -hmm. the movie really takes off for me yeah i really i saw it when it first came out and i remember loving it at the time because it was, you know, it was, it was such, it was it, very similar to what you were saying with planes, trains, and automobiles, Jason. I remember being in the theater and people just going nuts over it, mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. loving it. And I hadn't seen it in a long time and I rewatched it just yesterday and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really, I really liked it. Mm. And it's, it's surprising how much it holds up. Yeah, it does. And yes, it's got, you know, it's very 80s. And the music is very 80s, but it works in this and it seems to support, you know, what, I mean, it's a, it's a great setup right off the beginning, you know, right when it starts, you know exactly who these three guys are. I remember as a kid, I was like, oh my God, I want to live in an apartment with a big mural painted by Steve Gutenberg. (laughs) I think I'd probably kill myself after a day of living, staring at that all the time. Uh, It ain't Um, great. (laughs) The amount of time he's working on it and it's supposed to be this big, it's like... It's barely a likeness of anything. It's no. like it's kind of sp- slapping color around. Yeah, it's a little much. It's a little gap and not enough. But right, but time. you, but it's set up immediately who these three guys are, and it's done really well. Yeah, I, I, the setup is like, solid. Um, I, as I was saying earlier in the beginning of this episode, the, there's things, maybe things that I have to deal with, uh, things that I I've never admitted. <laughs> To myself, because last week I spoke about my love for Hugh Grant, which came out of the blue after watching Love Actually. Uh-huh. I was like, I think I'm in love with Hugh Grant. Tom Selleck is, and again, I say this is a happily married man to a lovely woman, but Tom Selleck is almost too much of a man. He's more man <laughs> I agree with you. than that screen can handle. I agree with His you. His manliness, it bursts off the screen it's throbbing <laughs> it's tan it's 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 hairy it's, it's mustached yeah. it's he in tom Selleck envelops you from that <sighs> screen he really does now, okay it's tom Selleck's movie 
He's fucking great in it. He's easily. You're right. He's, You're right. he's the anchor. He's the funniest. Yes. He's got, and he's and because he's not playing any of the jokes, he's so sincere in it. You're right. I really I couldn't believe how sort of mesmerized I was by him and how good because of he's those by two, far the best thing in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> excellent. It's shocking Dancing that he wasn't a movie good. star. He's Dan okay. Is great. Pretty damn good. He's oh, fine. He's, he's only in half good. of it. He's in less than half of it. I think yeah, he was he's a minor filming character. Cheers at the time. I think that's, that's why. That's the other thing that I forgot watching it again. I remember yeah. thinking, oh, that's right. He's barely in it. It's yeah. really Selick and Gutenberg. Right. And I'll tell you the other thing that I really, really appreciated, and this is coming from a parent, aside Tom Selick's chest hair. My God. <laughs> um <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, he was really, I was, you know what it was? You do want to snuggle up to it. You really do. You just want to get in He's an incredibly handsome man. I mean, I'm shocked that he wasn't a bigger movie star. I'm a little like, if he had played Indiana Jones, maybe he would have been great. He was supposed supposed to. to And then, you know, and everybody thinks like, oh, well, it was meant to be Harrison Ford, really. And Tom Selleck wouldn't have been as good. I don't know. This guy is fan-fucking-tastic on screen. That's You're right. what I thought last night when I watched it was the first time that I thought, I really wonder what his Indiana Jones would have been like. Wow. It would have been really interesting. And I've never, I've always, you know, I've always known, you know, for decades that Tom Selleck was originally supposed to do it, and mm-hmm. but I was just like, nah, that would never work. Last night, I really thought, and, and I think mm. that's what it was, Jason. Watching him on screen, I just thought, how come this guy isn't exactly as you said how come he didn't become a bigger movie star because he is a he jumps off that screen he's a movie star and he's really good but what really what i really liked and what i appreciated being a parent now the way they dealt with selick and gutenberg dealing with the baby Mm. was so realistic (laughs) and on point that's exactly what it's like and they didn't play anything i was almost shocked watching it again thinking oh my god they really they're not playing this for laughs what i what i wrote is this is a movie about tom Selleck loving a baby what's great about it (laughs) is that tom Selleck, not the actual child's father loves this baby so much you know it's funny this is such a weird anomaly that this movie was the number one movie of 1987, there's other mm-hmm. big things. Good Morning Vietnam, RoboCop. All the there was a big Babies, year yeah. for big movies. Dirty Dancing was here. All these things. Three wow. Men and the Baby, based on a French film. Three Men in mm-hmm. the Cradle. Yeah, and Tom Selleck is the heart of it, and he is everything you say. It, it's shocking that Leonard Nimoy didn't go on to have a more uh, high-profile yeah. directing career. It's not that I not that I think the film is so amazingly direct. I think the thing that's that works best and that I, I believe is what catapulted it as far as it did is really Tom Selleck. All three of the guys and mm. the little baby, but Tom Selleck is really the beating heart of the movie. It's so the fact movie. that he did not make more inroads, I will say, and I guess I don't know if the French film, if how closely this hues to the plot of the French film, but I, I saw this movie when it came out too. I don't remember much about it. I didn't remember that I liked uh, Selick so much. <laughs> I didn't remember, I, what I really didn't remember was the drug plot. I kind of, I had no use for that. I just thought it was such a weird, it really did remind me of Baby's Day Out and it really did, <laughs> and it did nothing for, it did nothing for the movie. It did nothing for the characters. It did nothing for, I mean, I guess without it, 
it's just a movie about learning to take care of a baby. But sure, I, yeah. I, but I, I think that's it's the okay. excuse. It's the excuse for the quote package being delivered, yeah. right? They think it's one thing, but it's another thing. But you don't need it. You, you don't, don't need it. You don't. You I don't need to know that there was a package that was being delivered. All you needed no. is like the woman leaves the baby there, and then these three bachelors who eschew a life of you know uh, of of uh, fatherhood and and, right. and 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 domesticity then have to live this life and it's it's foisted upon them and they grow to they all fall in love with this child that's a beautiful story and funny and has potential for i guess it's not enough of a there's not much of a plot there until the birth mother comes back and then they have to reckon with that nancy travis yeah yeah but i so i kind of was like what the hell is this movie it was so weird to me yeah when they got to the construction site then it got a little, i was like are they trying to get a little beverly hills cop yeah it's like know, a false climax yeah, yeah it was a because yeah, it, it that, wraps up and then there's another half hour or 45 minutes of the movie and you're like yeah. well that's i thought that mm -hmm. was the nominal quote-unquote plot of this thing so Aren't they just now like, yay, we have a baby and we're all happy? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's a little weird where it goes. So. I was also yeah. a little disturbed by um, what's your, uh, uh, the, the, Nancy the Travis? name? Nancy Travis. Yeah. It, for some reason, watching it this time, I really thought, holy shit, who just leaves a baby like that? Like she really mm. disturbed me when she came back. Yep. It bothered me that Tom Selleck seemed no so nonplussed to see her. And I was actually scared. I remember I disliked her. I thought, no, what the fuck is wrong? Mm. And you know, there have been other movies like Kramer versus Kramer where, you know, where they where they really show that side of of and I understand of moms not, you know, being ready to be a mother, not being able right. to handle that. And that's something that has been explored in movies before. It's a little thin, the reasoning. Yeah, it's 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 a little, little like, wait, what? Why did you? Why did you go? And why are you back? And why did you leave the? Wait, you want to? You want to still do auditions? What? What is the? <laughs> yeah. She says she has a line about, and I still want to go to auditions. I'm like, yeah. you're not going on any audition. You have a baby now. Well, you, what you, that? Wow, well, that doesn't mean you can't go on an audition, Dan. It does. <laughs> Look at Fred. He's not been on, on an audition since having his kids. Oh wait, he's oh. on Broadway. Why do you got to rub that shit in? You're on Broadway. It's a joke about you being employed, reg being regularly employed. Not anymore. As an act. Oh. Well, that has nothing to do with you having a baby. Or does it? Yanka da da da. I think we're the odd couple. It doesn't make any sense. You know, it was funny, though, and I should bring this up. When I was watching it, I texted uh, our good friend Ethan Duff, who's who's helped us and started us off in yes. this podcast, because right off the bat, it reminded me when I first met Ethan, he and his cousin, Turney, who is mm -hmm. a wonderfully, he's, he's a great writer, wrote a great book called mm -hmm. um, The Buy Side. Um, and their friend, Jason, they lived in an apartment. It was on um, 67th Street on the West Side and they would call it Studio 67. And they would have all these big parties and they would tell, you know, they would go to clubs and be like, oh yeah, you got to come back to this private club that we live in. It's called Studio 67. And sake. they would go in the doormat. It was, yeah, it was a little creepy. Um, but they would go up and they had like a pool table. It reminded me of that. And I was like, I like, wow. I like how at the end of the movie, they're like trying to convince her like, no, you stay here. And they're like, we'll add on a room, add on a room. The apartment yeah. is the size yeah. of a city block. <laughs> they go through so many goddamn rooms. Like when he can't find the baby, Tom yeah. Selleck walks through 15 <laughs> different rooms and they're all wide it's open. True. Throw a it's fucking true. cot in the corner of one of them and let, uh, and let Britain's worst mother <laughs> sleep in the corner and go to her auditions. 
<laughs> yeah, that place was huge. Oh, God, and I will, I will say this, though. I thought, okay, at least they justify it. They're all successful working yes. making money yeah you know it's not like the friends thing where it's you know, like how do you live <laughs> right. in a fucking apartment like this no hold on you said something earlier let me yes. ask you something you, you you guys aren't fans of gutenberg nope i'm not i dancing is the most uh, i mean go ahead go ahead what do you say what do you say dan i'm a fan of the uh are you talking about gutenberg the printing press guy no i'm <laughs> <Yes>. a fan <laughs> i'm a fan of him in uh the Boys from Brazil, because that's just insane. It's just yeah. an insane movie. Um, do you know what that movie's about? They try to yeah. clone baby it's, Hitler. It's Nazis, right? Baby Hitler. Yeah. Gregory about- Peck tries to clone new baby Hitlers. And Olivier's in it. Everybody's fucking James Mason's in, in it. Movie. It's nuts. Uh, Steve Gutenberg is the Dave Coulier of this of this full house no, right here. He's, like, he's just not... He doesn't bring a lot to the party, Richter. He's you just, don't think so? I know, I don't. I know. I think... I think I mean, obviously, Tom Selleck is MVP. Ted Danson is just, he's a great actor. I don't think, I, I'm shocked. There was only one movie star in this movie, and it's Steve Gutenberg, who I think yeah. is, like, kind of the least of the three in a lot of ways. I wonder if it had something to do with them being TV stars. Yeah. I don't know that maybe, because, Ted. I mean, God, Ted Danson on The Good Place now is just... He's wonderful. Ted Danson's like brilliant on that. I, my estimation of him as an actor leapt by. I, I, I just can't believe how excellent he is he's, in he's, that show. He's delicious yeah, on it. Yeah. But you know, I wonder if there is something that I've always been a fan. Maybe there's. I, I have no, me too. too but yeah, but it, I mean, have you watched that show? He's like yes, fantastic. Yeah, but he's, but he's not not fantastic on Cheers. He's an unbelievable on Cheers. No, he's but we're but we keep going back to TV shows, and Tom Selleck is on. What is he's on Blue Bloods now? Yeah. Like, so some there was something something that kept them from really making that leap and doing more movie work. Now I know at the time it was very hard for TV actors. You know, back then it was like back then you did TV or right. you did movies, and never right. the twain shall meet. Right. So maybe it was something like that that it was like, all right, we you guys did it, you you broke, you, you got in, but now get back, you know, let the you know, yeah, I don't know now maybe. now it's it's all over. Three words, it, it gentlemen, is, three words. What's that? Quigley, Quigley down, down, down under. under. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what you were gonna yes, say. <laughs> of course, that's what I was gonna say. You are right. <laughs> I was, I was, wow. I, was, I was like, "What's funnier, an innocent man or Quigley down under?" Well, of course, you got to say Quigley an down under. An innocent man. I love that. Me and Mike Plofsky used to go around all the time and go, "You got to stick it in and break it. You got to <laughs> stick it in and break it." I know, I know. And you weren't even quoting the movie when you were saying. That. <laughs> you know what? Now here's something. Okay, here's something about Tom Selleck. Go ahead. Tom Selleck's voice doesn't really match his body. He's got a very high pitched voice it was just i couldn't get over the fact that he wasn't a bigger movie star mm. but and i was maybe so you know subconsciously i was trying to think what is it what is it what is it and th- i was thinking maybe it was his voice because he had sort of a a higher at times whinier voice i don't know i mm-hmm. no, maybe. i'm trying to my god you're is, trying to justify why he didn't have a bigger movie career and i already told you i <laughs> think he did quigley Plus down <laughs> with a side of under, <laughs> a movie career does doth not make. I kind of, I do, I do think there's a. You watch this and you do think there's a lost opportunity for Tom Selleck that it, that he could have been 
Yeah. Because because his t- you know his TV career is his TV career, but I mean it was a I mean he was on Friends for a long time as a recurring character, but you know oh, right. between yeah. Magnum and now Blue Bloods was just the last, you know, whatever, 6 or 7 years, it's uh you know there was there was a, an opening, there was a moment for him to have taken off if the right projects had lined up because yeah because he's really good better than i yeah, so much better than i expected kate said this movie should have been called three men trying to kill a baby they've got the baby sleeping on her stomach at one oh. point they're putting their unwashed hands in her mouth yeah ted dancing shaking it that. like yeah. uh, you know at one point i mean they don't know what also, to do with this baby i know that's the fun is in learning how to take sure. care of the baby but i was like this kid it's well, you got to see trouble. You got to she, she should see baby boom then because it's even worse with, with I, Diane I love Keaton. baby boom. Baby yeah. boom is great. But I mean, she's carrying the baby around <laughs> like it's a sack <laughs> of potatoes. Literally it's hysterical. But we're, you know, we, we watched that movie a couple of years ago. We were like, Oh my God, she's going to drop the baby. You think she's going to drop the baby. The actor is going to drop yeah. the actor baby. My uncle rest in peace. He loved that movie. He loves oh, baby boom. Yeah, it was like his favorite movie. But it's the same exact setup, right? And that's why I love yeah. what I love same about year, this movie. 1987. Is it really? Oh my yeah. god! Maybe so, the same month. I think it might have come out. Right oh, for God's sake! Time. So, so you know, you, in the the thing I like best about the movie is when they turn. You know, when it becomes not about this baby's uh, this baby's a pain in the ass, and we have to get rid of it. After that, when they realize, oh, hang on, we are actually a care about the baby, b are attached to it, and c love it, love the baby. Yeah, that's when the movie soars for me. Yes, I'm just like, absolutely. oh, that, it's a winner. It's a winner from that moment on. You I fall in love with them falling in love yeah. with the baby. Absolutely. Ah, there you go. My there favorite go. line of the entire movie, though, is when they're trying to put the diapers on. <laughs> and he's like, what, what are these diapers? They're too small. And Tom Sutcher goes, they're ultra absorbent. <laughs> <laughs> I guffawed. <laughs> guffawed. <laughs> I thought that was great. I just thought his delivery was, he, he's the MVP. All right, good. No, these tape things go in the front and the back. Uh, how am I supposed to know? There. Whoa! These diapers are way too big. What size did you get? They're ultra-absorbent. The more absorbent, the better, if you ask me. Will you hold it for a minute? The kid's going crazy. I, I don't want to. Come on, Michael. Hey, don't pull that so hard. It's going to rip. I'm not going to rip it. Yes, you are. All right, well, okay. Uh, get me another diaper. I'll use the tape. I'll use the tape from the diaper. I'll tape it up. I'm an architect, for Christ's sakes. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a goddamn diaper. All right, gun to your head. Hugh Grant or Tom Selleck? Ooh. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. <laughs> oh. Well, you're an Anglophile. I am. You yeah. mean to sleep with or just a, like a, a fan of their work? To cuddle with. To just cuddle to cuddle with. with. <laughs> to cuddle with. <laughs> well, to, you know, maybe, maybe Tom Selleck then. I know. Yeah. He's got that you, hairy He'd take chest. care of you. <laughs> He'd, he would really take care of you. He'd you in his arms. He would. <laughs> wow. Wow. I've never seen Hugh Grant take care of a little baby as lovingly as Tom Selleck. I'm going <gasps> to go. I gave eight to Plain Strains and All Believers. I'll give 8.5 to this. But I will take away <laughs> one quarter of a Sheila and go down to 8.25 because Leonard Nimoy, damn him, didn't cast a single Star Trek actor in this thing. He was tired of them. They needed to get some distance. You can't yeah. put Jimmy Dewan in there as the cabbie. <laughs> you can't stick a George Takei in there as the hot dog guy. Colin Quinn was terrible. You can't. Well, you can't yeah. throw Nichelle Nichols in there as the as somebody. He's Let's trying to move on. He was trying desperate. He was like, "Oh, thank the maker. I'm <sighs> finally being allowed to be That's on a set Star without Wars. those same yeah. seven people." 
He was like, the Bilbo Baggins album didn't work. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. I've got to do something <laughs> to get the fuck out of the shadow. I'm going to give it a a, 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 a 7.5. So you liked it more or less than Plain Strains? I go, oh, that's, you know, that's tough. I think you I'm gave Plain Strains more, I think, I, I'm gonna or give about it, the same. I, Maybe about the same. I, I think I gave an eight for planes, trains, and automobiles. I can't I remember. Gave, I gave it eight. Oh, maybe I did a seven point five. Yeah, I think you guys were a little less than okay. me, and then Dan, you moved up to an eight on planes, trains, I'm and I bumped it... up to eight point two five or something ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll um... give it like a six point five, but then I'll Ooh. go up a full Harry Tom Selleck chest <laughs> to a seven point five. Uh... I give it a six. I give it a six. <gasps> Because the drug, pl- because it's mostly filler, like like a, like an right, Oscar Mayer wiener. Flaw. It's a there's a, there's not a lot there. I give I give five for Ted Danson. Uh, not no 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 five for Tom oh. Selleck. Okay. Point five for Ted Danson. Point five for the baby. Nothing else. <laughs> no love for Gutenberg, man. What about Cocoon, Mahoney, Police? Academy. I don't like Police Academy movies. I don't man, like I him in them. And I mean, I don't. He's fine. He's likable enough, I guess. But uh, Cocoon, I, I love that movie. I have to watch it again. But he's not what I like about Cocoon. He happens to be the guy. Can't stop the music. I, please stop so with the, the music. YMCA. With the, with, 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 yeah, the YMCA. With the village people and Valerie Perrine. Valerie Perrine. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg's in that. Yeah. Again, oh. no, that's not. Wow, there's nothing special about that alone. That movie alone should put you over the All top. Right. No, okay. it shouldn't. I, it, it gets a six, and it gets a six mostly for Tom Selleck's excellent performance and the adorable baby. What did happen to Steve Gutenberg, though? Honestly, I, I mean, don't but, know. What, but wow. he was such a big star, such yeah. a big star. He was everywhere in the eighties. Short Circuit was a big one for him. Yeah, high he kind of bu- he kind of bumbled into being a star. He just was in the right I things. know, but how he did he bumble these- Diner, he's great in Diner. He was good in Diner. Oh, he was good in Diner. Yeah. But how did he bumble out? Like what, what at what point did Hollywood go, "Yeah, okay, we're the- finished. We're finished with this guy. We're going to travolt to him." He's the exactly the same in everything he's ever done. You don't hey, have look, to be Daniel to have You don't have to be Daniel Day-Lewis to have a long-standing career. No, but he had enough of one. Do you understand the number of movies Steve Gutenberg got away with that he was allowed to be in? <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. You are not the arbiter of who was who's allowed to be I in things know. in the 80s. We'll see. We'll see what if Damon agrees with me. Damon, <laughs> text Fred or get on Facebook and tell me how, you know, we'll see if we if if our paths diverge in the yellow wood again, <laughs> I'm looking. The they're looking. Wood. Um, I, I'm I'm looking him up. I don't know what. I know he went on to direct some stuff. But, oh, good. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah, they're not. There's there's not much. I know. In in they say in 2009, they were talking about they were writing a script for Police Academy Eight. Thank God. Uh, and it yeah, didn't get know. made. They're supposed to be rebooting it. Yeah, that's what I I, think I, apparently Bobcat Goldthwait released a statement urging Hollywood to reboot the Police Academy series with a new group of actors instead of the original cast members. Um, wow. They were trying, but so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to Gutenberg. No. Uh, he's, you know, he's on like a commercial for something recently. Uh, no, uh, I would. Selleck is hawking reverse mortgages. You've seen and those he, and, and he does it with such, he's like, don't Authority. call me a motherfucking liar. 
I've been around the fucking block, yeah, and I would come, not say yeah. he comes right out of the gate like, he's like oh, I fuck know you. a thing or two about a thing or two. He's Wilford Brimley at Brimley yeah. at basically. Like, I'm, he's like, I'm seventy goddamn I know years stuff, old. Okay, I wouldn't steer you wrong on this. We're not trying to take your house. They are, but we're not trying to take it. And I have I, nothing to I do with things. that. You talk shit about me. I should have been Indiana Jones. <laughs> I like God rifles. I like Trump, probably, as far as you know. And I'm not going to say shit to contradict anything. I just want to. I just want to do my blue bloods, and I want to watch my stories. Now sign on the dotted line. Now sign your sign house this. away. Do it. I'm so handsome, even at this advanced age. You fucks. Brimley is Thank dead. You. I'm still oh, here. Look at my goddamn chest. Look at this. Look at how much hair I still. Continue to have. Now sign Stop the damn papers. On my lip, on my chest. <laughs> on your lip? Wait a minute. <laughs> Up top, uh, that's a toupee. But. <laughs> and yes, I'm wearing Thanksgiving pants. Who is it at this age? Oh, the circle of life. Oh, beautiful. We all bring it around. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's it for us this week. I hope everybody has a happy, safe, Healthy Thanksgiving out there. We will be back next week with a look at November 27th, 1985, which saw the release of Sylvester Stallone's Rocky IV and Santa Claus the movie. Dan, yes. what you got? So take oh, us out. Should with. I attempt a little bad, 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 bad boys? Ooh. We we have we also have from Planes, Trains, and Animals. One movie is the uh the Yada, the Red River Valley, Yada. Da 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 da, mm. and and well, we nice. or the Flintstones theme, but we also have from Three Men and a Baby, Good Night Sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. So I oh. this week I take a request. I take requests. Any of those? What do you think? I know what Fred wants to hear. He wants to hear a little bad, 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 bad boy. I sort of do. do I want to hear a little. I want to hear a little of that. The, the planes, trains, and automobiles. Right, we'll start with that one since that was the first movie. What about a medley? Yeah. Okay, we'll do a little medley. All right. Okay. So we'll do a little Red River Valley first. Okay. Yeah. Did not disappoint. Thank you. And uh, now we'll do a little bad, 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 bad boys. I don't know if I know how to. I think I only know the chorus. Boys will be boys. Oh, yes. Bad boys. mural now <laughs> i want to steal a baby wait a minute <laughs> when dan does that it sounds like somebody's painting a mural on the bathroom wall <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by jason o'connell fred berman and dan matisa with editing by jason o'connell and sound mixing by fred berman 
Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening.